For our second message today, we'll have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, On This Rock, I Will Build My Church. Mr. Andrews. events. One of them was the fulfillment of the Messiah coming to this earth and dying and in the grave for three days and three nights and then being resurrected and walking among the people. The other event is what we're going to participate in tomorrow and it happened. On the day of Pentecost, when that spirit was poured out and things began to change in the world as God began to reach out, not just to the Jews, not just to Israel, but all of mankind and ladies and women and all were going to be involved in what God was going to do on this earth and what he's continuing to do on this earth. Jesus prophesied this I mean, as he was teaching his, his disciples. And I know that the, the disciples were sitting there and listening and they would ask questions and they would... And I'm sure it was a um, profound thing because they were there when he would heal someone. They were there when a, a, uh, a demon was cast out. They were there to see the miracles that were done. And yet... Until that day that he was resurrected and walked among them. And that next time, on the day of Pentecost, when that spirit was poured out, those things did not quite, probably did not quite come about in, in understanding. I want to start in Matthew, the 16th chapter, because I want to, Jesus prophesied what we are. What we are. And what I want to try to, to bring about today because on this rock I will build my church. And let us not forget that the church is not built on humans or a building. The church is built on Jesus Christ. In Matthew the 16th chapter in verse 13 when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jer uh, Jeremiah, and one of the and, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say you that I am? And this was a personal thing. What do you think? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. He would have used the word Messiah, but we understand that that's what it means. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not, show, not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, and this is interesting, I say unto you, that you are Peter. It's a little rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <clears throat> Many have used this to say that Peter was the one that built the church. And yet understanding the um, play here, it is the small pebble versus the large rock that Jesus was going to build his church on, which was himself. And so consequently, <clears throat> and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not going to go into to trying to explain this, but it, so you shall be able to bind on earth and shall be able to bind in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth, you shall be loosed in heaven. 
What I want to focus on, though, is this prophecy that Jesus said, I will build my church on this rock, this Petra. When we were in church, we were told we were going to go to Petra. It was the place of safety because it was a big rock. <clears throat> well, God, Jesus, built his church, beginning his church on himself. He is that large rock. Let's turn to Matthew, the 28th chapter, because not only did he prophesy that, but he also gave them a commission. It's important to note this commission. <clears throat> I may have to use this water a lot today. And I apologize, but I've had a little bit of something going on. And um, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, he says, I'm trying to remember where I wanted to start with this one, beginning in, um, nope, I'm in the wrong book. No, might help if I was in the right, right place. Didn't look familiar right there. He says, in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and into earth, in earth. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. Down through the, all these 1900 and some plus years, this has not changed. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the world. And so every congregation, every church, congregation has this commission to go out to the best that God gives us, to the best that Christ gives us, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel message, and to go out and to, and to bring in those who are being called. It's the Great Commission. In Acts, and I'm not going to get into to any of the things that's going to, that Matt are going to bring up or someone's going to bring up tomorrow. What I want to focus on is this, and, and we'll, we have a, uh, an area that I'm going to go to where, where they said that it has changed the world. This is changing the world. And I believe up until just recently when from oh, about the early six, 60s when different forces began to um, play in the world it was very, very um, influential in all the world. Verse 5. For John very, uh, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days. <coughs> and verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall... Be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. They had not had this happen yet. And so there was an anticipation of what was going to happen, what they were going to be. And yet, 120 of them were there on Pentecost day tomorrow that we're going to celebrate. They were there, not knowing exactly, but they knew the words that Jesus had said. They understood what he had told them. And he said, don't leave Jerusalem until it happens. And so they did not. And they stayed there. And we know what happened. I want to go way, way into the future. Because I'm thinking that the future is maybe not too far away from what we are seeing in the world we're living in today. And that future is in, <clears throat> in the book of Revelation. And I apologize, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with this. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not, uh, it's not the revelation of John, as it says on some, <laughs> uh, you know, some titles up there. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. 
And he sent and signified it by his angels to his servant John, who bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all the things that he saw. Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. As I was thinking about all the carnage that's been going on, and I'm not just talking about what's been happening in these isolated mass shootings. I'm talking about cities that have you know, mass shootings going on all the time. Weekend after weekend after weekend, 20, 30 people shot at, some of them dying. And, you know, it's just so not newsworthy. Not newsworthy. Are we at that time? Is the time at hand? As a congregation, as a church, are we ready? I don't think I am. As I was watching some of this here in Tulsa, my, my heart was grieving. Um, as I was thinking, I think I've been in that waiting room. What would it have been like to see this guy walk in and start shooting people? I mean, it was horrendous. In verse 4, John, to the seven churches which, which are in Asia, grace be to you, peace from him which is, it, which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, to him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the whole point of what we're talking about. This is why we're here. Jesus Christ is working this out. And even though we don't you know, see the spiritual things, I think as our own, with the own spirit inside us, we, we feel this weight of the world that is, is there. And we know, we know that the events in the world may be changing and beginning to look more and more like the end. Behold, he comes with the clouds. Every eye shall see him. And they also which pierce him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Even so, amen. I look forward to that day. I, whether I'm called out of the grave or I see Christ returning and I'm changing the twinkling of eye, whatever it is, I want to be there. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and, um, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as that of a trumpet. And by the way, for those who <clears throat> know anything about the Lord's day, that is a day of tribulation of trials and testing, uh, it is not a very uh, pleasant time for, for earth. Um, and because the things that, G that John saw, the vision that he saw, was the wrath of God on the Lord's day, because it was God's wrath that would be poured out Lord's Day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pegamus, uh, uh, Pergamus, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and being turned, I saw seven golden uh, candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the breast with a golden girdle. 
His head and his hairs were like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were a flame of fire. That's what our Savior looks like today. Power and power and power. You know, it says, all power is given to me. I think we believe that this, all this power was there, that we could do more. And his feet like a fine brass, as if they burned in the furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he, sa he laid his hand upon me and saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of the hell and death. And by the way, this is a very interesting thing that Jesus says. The keys of both hell and death. You would think, well, I'm, you know, the death or 80s, that was all that was needed. Well, you open a grave and there is the dead in there, so what are you going to do? That's Hades. He has the ability to resurrect those that are dead. A power that he has, that God the Father has given him to resurrect all of those that are his children on that day. Or change them in a twinkling of eyes, it says in 1 Thessalonians. And so, if you want to look up those two words, it's very interesting. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden sticks, and the seven stars, golden candlesticks, and the seven stars that are angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. So we have this scenario that John is in the vision watching and looking at. And so this is the first one that comes up, and it is the church at Ephesus. Write these things, says he, that holds the seven stars in his hands, who walks in the midst of the golden candlesticks. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and have borne and have patience for my name's sake, and have labored and have not fainted. What, what profound accolades those, this church is receiving. And yet, we're human, aren't we? And yet we're human. In this congregation, Jesus is nevertheless, I have something against you. You have left your first love. That was going to be the title of my message, but then I got to thinking that was a really hard one to, to explain right off. Um, not that first little girl that you saw or that first little boy that you saw, but this is the love of God that was coming into your heart, that the Spirit was directing you and bringing you into this way. And when you saw it, and when you saw it, and you started studying, and the Spirit started working with you, there was something there that was so powerful, and moving you, and changing you. I know um, we're all talking um, about our stories. We have all of us have stories that we, you know, for our life. And I've got a lot, uh, being almost 74 years old. But I can remember the first time that I heard Herbert Armstrong. We had just bought this house and had a nice place. It had a porch in the back and I had a bar out there. And I had this old Zenith radio. And so John probably remembers the old Zenith radio. But some of us will remember the old Zenith radio. Some of you young people probably don't really know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, it just had this one dial. You, know, you just had this big long pointers on it and this one long dial. And you kept kind of running it through. And, run, and I was 10 years old. Um, KRMG at that time was uh, music. And if I remember right, they were also doing a radio program, you know, uh, 
live radio programs and stuff like that. So I would flip it over there and listen for that, and then it would get, you know, I'd get, kind of get bored, and I'd turn it for something. All of a sudden, this voice comes on. <laughs> Booming voice. And he's challenging everybody to do something, to study the Bible. Don't believe me, study the Word of God. <laughs> you know, whoa, at 10 years old, I know. And, you know, I, I, I rebelled, I'm, I'm, I've got to admit. I didn't come at that time. But I felt that God was already starting to call me when I was that young. For everyone in here, go back to that time. That first love when God began to start calling you. That first love that began to work in your heart to show you this way, to show you the truth. It is so profound. He says, I have something against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent and do the first works, or else I will come and quickly and I will remove your candlestick out of the place except you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. And so, both good and bad for the church at Ephesus. Well, thankfully we have a message that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, or the church at Ephesus. And he wrote this, uh, by the way, um, the book of Revelation was probably written around 95 AD, after the temple was destroyed and everything. Um, the vision and everything, uh, that's, that's when they think that it was put um, out around 95 AD. Paul's epistle to the, to the Ephesians came around 62 to 63 AD. The temple was still there. And it didn't come down until uh, 70 AD you know, when the Romans came in and destroyed it. And so Paul... Um, had to move around uh, the synagogues and the Jews and the different ones. <clears throat> but the Ephesians were a special church, and he wrote accolades for them. And after you read through the book of Ephesians, you say, well, I, they seem to be such powerful people who have the Spirit. So let's read. Let's read what Paul says in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be unto you, peace from God our Father, and for the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we can all take these words personally. They are all for our church too. All for you and me, all for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Blessing us with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So we are indebted to our Savior, Jesus Christ. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. It's not us that's doing it, is it? It is our Savior, it is the Father that are working. The power that they are working in us to bring us into that kingdom. He has chosen us. He's called us out of this world. And He's made a special place for us in His kingdom. If we are willing and want to be a part of that. Without blame, before Him in love. So we see we're chosen a long time ago. He says in verse 5, having predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. I wanted to jump over to the book of Romans because it, this predestination thing uh, sometimes gets people a little confused. 
Well, is everything predestined? And, and you know, no matter what, uh, I'm good, he's bad, he's going, and, and all of that. That's not what um, the scripture and, and predestination means. In, in Romans, the eighth chapter, and beginning in verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. So, long time ago, he had a purpose in calling children into his way. For whom he did foreknow. Okay, I want a family. I want a family. I'm going to have this family, and I want it as large as I can have this family. So this is what's going to happen. I am going to have this family. So he foreknew that he was going to have a family. He also predestinated to be the, um, for whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So, the plan was there, but we are not just to come in. We are, being, we are to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the first, firstborn among many brethren. So there's a process. We go through that every year at Passover, don't we? And understand that Jesus paid that penalty with his body and his blood. So he is the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What? Shall we then say that things, if God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> I mean, this is powerful messages that Paul has written. And it's so wonderful to read these scriptures and understand that God has a plan for each person that he's calling in this life. Let's go back to Ephesians. I just want to interject that to help people to understand that it's the calling is there. As somebody once said, many are called, but few make the choice. Uh, just as the seed, we understand that uh, in the different grounds. But some are planted in that fertile ground. And I hope everyone in this room understands that you're on fertile ground, growing in, in, in fruit of the Spirit. Beginning in verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us, towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which is purpose in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, in, even in him. Wow, what a plan. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ in whom you also trusted, that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you had believed, you, um, also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That process that we go through is a profound process that we will, that probably Matt will go through tomorrow in Acts the second chapter. 
But after that baptism and the laying on of hands, it says you shall receive the Holy Spirit. You are sealed at that particular moment in time. Forever. If you stick with this plan, with God's plan, if you love Jesus Christ, if you want to be in His kingdom, those are the things that should be in your heart. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted, that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance and to the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Now, an earnest is a, a, a promise, a down payment. It says we, we receive an earnest of the Spirit. When in John, it says that Jesus had a full measure of the Spirit. He was able to, to do miracles that, that um, no one else, except uh, after the Spirit was given, there were some really some powerful miracles also given. But we know that, that Christ is with us and we have that earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints. So here we have an, uh, a praise from, from, from Paul of the Ephesian church, of the Ephesians, of the, um, the church at Ephesus. Cease not to give thanks. For, um, wherefore also I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love to all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Whenever you read those words, you think, wow, Paul had a way of, of really bringing the, the gospel message in very short, I mean, these are just a very few verses, and yet that gospel message is there, the, the power uh, uh, on the earth, but also the power of the kingdom coming, all of those things, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in the uh, him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet and, give him, and gave him to be the head of all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. The fullness of Him fills all in all. It might be worth, and that, those are powerful verses and powerful things that, that um, Paul wrote for us, because that's what it's for. As, as we are down from that initial time when that Spirit was given, 1,990 years later, and we're still reading these words, and we're still coming to understand the power of Christ in our life and the power of Christ in the church. The word church is not a building. I wanted to, um, to bring that out to, today. Um, it is, I don't know if I can get over there where I want to be. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read that, that verse that Jesus gave to his, uh, 
to his disciples that were around him. And I say in, unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is interesting that this word, G1577, um, if you want to listen to it here, come on, maybe I can't get it up, um, is, looks like it makes run. Nope, it didn't run it. Anyway, ecclesia. And from Strong's, it says, ecclesia from a compound of G1537, and a derivative of G2564, a calling out. We have a calling, brethren. We are called out of this world. We are called to a special thing. It is not a building. It is not the chairs we sit in. Uh, these are blessings, of course. Having these are, are blessings that we have. We're very thankful for and what God has provided for us. But we are the church. We are the called out ones. We are the assembly. The Tulsa called out ones of God. The Tulsa assembly of God. The Tulsa church of God. It is the individuals in the church that are the church. If that makes any sense. We are the church. The individuals that are called become what is called the church, the called out ones, the assembly. Paul faced a, a tremendous amount of, of problems after the Spirit was given and he was commanded to go out after he had been called by Jesus in a miracle and brought low and almost blinded you know, for, for the rest of his life and even prayed that he might receive the sight back, but God says, hey, this is sufficient for you. Uh, remember what you did to this church, you know, to my people. And so Paul was a very profound and, and, uh, preacher, and a lot of times that he would be in situations in which he would um, get in uh, to jail, uh, be whipped, all the different things. Of course, he was also used his Roman uh, uh, citizenship sometimes to get out of trouble. That kind of scared a few of them. In chapter 17, I just picked one example. Now, there's so much in the book of Acts. You really want to go in there and you want to look and see all the things that happened after that spirit was given and all the miracles that happened and all the powerful messages that came about because of their, and, and, and the healings and even bringing individuals to life from the dead. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in to them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. And so there's another proof uh, that he didn't come the next day. Sabbath, every Sabbath he was there. Three Sabbath. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead. And this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ, is Messiah. They would have understood it as Messiah. The Jews would have understood the Hebrew. And they, some, would believe. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude and the chief uh, women, uh, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy uh, to them. Certain lewd fellows of the baser sort gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and brought to, to bring them out of, uh, to the people. And when they found them at found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren to the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come here also. They recognized what was going on. 
the power of the Spirit was working in that area. And people were hearing the word differently than they'd ever heard it before. And they were realizing the Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. And so some were believing, but boy, others were. They did not want to change. Whom Jason had received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night at Berea, who coming there went into the synagogues of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily whether those things be so. Therefore many of them believe also of honorable women, which are Greeks and of men, and not a few. That is a very important scripture that all of us need to kind of memorize. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things be so. The only scriptures they had was the Old Testament. And they were in scrolls. But they understood them because they had studied them. And they went back and they looked. And sure enough, they realized that the Messiah had come. But not all were happy about that. I don't know how many of us have thought about what Jesus says in the book of Revelation to the churches. Um, some of us that came out of um, the big church um, worldwide, radio when I first started in there, the churches were um, a picture of things down through the, you know, down through time. So that um, the church's Ephesus would have been that first church. And it seems like those seems true. And then the Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis. And then I thought, well, also, well, these are good things for us to understand. They help us to... to to maybe avoid some of those things in our church, to help us to, to see that those are things that we, you know, especially when they were corrected, especially when they're given correction. I, I want to go through each one of these. They're not very long. Jesus is very sh direct. <laughs> we know how direct he can be from the scriptures. And he tells it like it is. And so, in, Roman, in Revelation, the second chapter, verse, just two verses. The angel of the church of Smyrna write these things, says the first and the last, which was dead and now is alive. I know your works and the tribulation, the poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blaspheme of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which you shall suffer Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be you faithful to the death, and I will give you a crown of life. Now, that sounds like the next generation, doesn't it? The next, um, where uh, the churches were, per the, especially the primitive church was persecuted. Sometimes they had to, had to, to hide had to, to, to go into caves, had to go, uh, they were hunted down, uh, tortured. Many different things happened uh, between that time after, especially after the Roman Catholic Church took over and, and, and put in all those things about not keeping the Sabbath and the Holy Days and made it uh, mandatory that they keep Sunday and, and all of the holidays. They began to persecute those that were faithful in the, in the things that we understand. 
So it sounds like those are, that's what was going on in that particular time. And the angel of the church in Pergamos now, these things saying, which has a sharp, sharp sword with two edges. I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is, and you hold fast his name and have not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelled. But I have a few things against you because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit fornication. So, have you also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which also the thing I hate. So, Jesus says, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Interesting, isn't it? Now, Thyatira, the angel of the church of Thyatira, these things says the Son of God, who has his eyes like the, uh, to a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works and charity and service and faith and your patience and your works and the last to be more than the first. Wow, that's, that's praise. All of those things this, this church was doing. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. Because you permit the woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed and to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication since she repented not. Behold, I cast her into a bed of them that commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Whoops. All of a sudden, Jesus drops in something that kind of makes it a little bit difficult to put this into to those particular uh, time frames. Because the great tribulation is at the end time, isn't it? And the book of Revelation is for the end. And I'm not saying that's exactly the way I believe, but as I was reading through it, it kind of helped me to understand that these might be, might be churches that are ch churches of Jesus, churches of God at the end time, that need to repent and be ready when Christ returns because they're out preaching, teaching, and helping people during tribulation, during the trials. And he wants them to be ready. He says, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. And I will give to every one of you according to his works. But to you I say to the rest of the in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put uh, upon you no other burden. And interesting. So there's others that were rejecting that. And they were a part of the same church and that same uh, th thing, and yet they were rejecting it. Just think about it. I'm not making a doctrinal pro pronunciation here. It's just... Uh, all of a sudden, as I was reading it, kind of interesting. And the angel of Sardis write these things. says, He that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name that you live and are dead. Be watchful. Strengthen things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent, if therefore you shall not watch. I will come on you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The angel of the church of Philadelphia, this is whatever church wants to be. <laughs> They all want to be Philadelphians. These things says he that is holy, he that is true, he that is the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door. No man can shut it, for you have a little strength, 
and have yet and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I make them that are the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell on the earth. See how that fits in again? Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which you have, that no man take your crown. And that's important for all of us, especially as we see the end time coming in our own life. Verse 14. And the angel of the church of Laodiceans, these things say the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the cre- creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you are, not, uh, you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say that I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich in white raiment, that you may be clothed, that you, that, and that the shame of your nakedness not be appear. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. That's for all of us to understand, to come to a better understanding. Whether this is future, whether this is for us now, for whatever reason, it is important that we see the rebukes and see the praise that Jesus gives to churches that are willing to keep his way, keep his truth, and live by that way. You know, we are Christ's body. And I'm just going to read this really very quickly here. I'm running out of time. And that is an important thing to understand. Sometimes we get so... um, caught up in the world, and I, I have that fault. I let myself get caught into the world's things. Not so much that I'm not thinking about God's truth, thinking about God's way, and, and all of that that's in my mind, but it just seems like there's so much of the world that um, it kind of interferes with the way we are. And yet, we are, the, the church is the body of Jesus Christ. In verse 12 of chapter 12, it says, For as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, with that said, and there being other congregations throughout the world, we make no judgments. This is Christ moving in his people. He knows who is a part of his body. He understands that. He knows who they are. He's working with them. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, have been all made to drink of that one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot say, shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear say, shall say, because I am not of the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, (laughs) where is the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where is the smelling? But now God has sent members, every one of them, in the body as it's pleased him. We're here because God's pleased for us to be here. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're a part of, whatever is a part of the Sabbath day that we're, we're a part of, it pleases him. We are pleasing him. And if they were all one member, where was the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more of these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow a more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. 
For our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Whether one member suffers, all members suffer with it. For one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. I believe that. And we're all members in particular. God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and gifts and healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of the healing, do all speak with tongues or languages. By the way, my, um, my brother-in-law was um, the one that speak, spoke with languages. That's the tongue. And he was able to uh, not only speak, but to also interpret. Do all interpret. But covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show you a more excellent way. And that more excellent way is love. And it says charity in the King James, but that word is love. And as we saw in Ephesians, that was one of the, the things that they were praised for, was the love for one another. Just real quickly. In Romans, the 8th chapter, I couldn't finish this up without a very quick um, look at the, the words that Paul leaves with us in Romans, the 8th chapter. It is so profound. And sometimes... If you go back and you're, you're kind of down, I would suggest to sit down with Romans, the eighth chapter, and read all the way through it. And think about what Paul has written about the power of God in your life. In verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. I believe everyone in here is called to the code according to his purpose. It's interesting. You know, I had to come out of the world, and yet some of our young people are already here. And so they're still, and every day they're being, every Sabbath they're being called, every day God is reaching out to our young, young, young people to come and to hear and to believe. For whom he did pre, uh, foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say of these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? All the power of heaven and earth is for us. <laughs> if you want to you know, condense it down into to a few words. All the power of heaven and earth is for us. And nothing can be against us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I didn't read all those wonderful things in the book of Revelation, all those wonderful gifts, but you can go back and read them. And there's some tremendous gifts that will be given to each and every one that makes it into the kingdom. Who shall lay all things to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. <laughs> That's a powerful statement. You can't have anyone coming up and saying, eh, you're not really a Christian. You're not really a believer. Because it's God that's called you, not someone else. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, 
or the sword. I hope that's not prophetic about things that are coming. <laughs> we all very much like our wonderful comforts, don't we? But some people have suffered a great deal for the Word of God. As it's written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.